The Start On Demand. demand. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week and next week. Going to take you just behind the curtain here for a moment and tell you what went down in the last 10 minutes. I get up from my spot here in the studio. I look over at the TV. I see that Canada is facing Brazil in soccer, Olympic soccer, the women's teams, and they've gone to kicks. So I hear Greg coming around the corner. He's walking down the hall, and I say, Greg, look at this. And he comes in, and he says, oh, they've gone to kicks. <laughs> I didn't even know there was, a, there was a match on at the moment, Greg. But what we then watched unfold was super exciting. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if we're in breach of any uh, copyright rules here by describing what we saw, but Team Canada, uh, the women who have been, you know, one of the top uh, soccer teams on the planet for uh, going on a decade now, up against Brazil in an elimination game. The winner goes to the quarter or to the semifinal, I guess. And so, yeah, uh, Brazil... Uh, managed to uh, score on their first three kicks. Canada missed their first one, so backs were against the wall. Stephanie LeBay in in net for Team Canada makes a huge save, and then Canada scores to tie it up, and then they they score again, and then Stephanie LeBay, all she has to do is make a second save in a row, and Team Canada wins, and she does it. It was absolutely thrilling for a game that we didn't even know was on. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just looking at the... It looks like Canada was actually... Would have been considered the... Uh, or potentially the the favorites in that game. Where they, they, Just looking at some odds going into the tournament. And uh, Canada, depending on which odds maker, Canada had uh, like a lower odd or a... <laughs> I actually don't even know how to say that. When the Canada at twelve hundred is is marked at twelve hundred and Brazil is at sixteen hundred. Yes. So who would would you say Canada is the higher odd of winning or the lower the high, odd? higher odds of winning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. I, th- those minus twelve hundred and stuff uh, that, that that's foreign stuff to me. I don't gamble when it comes to, to really to anything, particularly on sports. So. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I just I buy a 649 ticket and buy a lot of max ticket and that's it. Anyway, it looks like Canada and Brazil were fairly evenly matched, but that was very exciting. So once again, Canada's women just on a roll and at, or on a, shall we say, on a row? We could say that as Canada claimed another gold medal. Eight women in a boat. That's right, in a boat. <laughs> We're actually going to be talking a lot about boating today, and we'll get to that in a second. But before that, I just got to tell you, I thought I was losing my mind because um, they went from the soccer pitch to the track. And I look at the this relay. This it's a, it, was, it looked like it was a 400 relay. Yes. And I'm thinking, are there men and women on the track right now? Oh, do they have a mixed event? Yeah, it, but it, I, I was super confused because I, I thought I had seen it wrong. And I even asked Forte about it after the ra- as the race was coming to an end. And he says, are you high? I only I saw dudes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were coming into the, the, the home stretch. But there was, yes, the, so I just did a quick Google. So they've got uh, mixed gender swimming races. And yes. there's also a mixed relay. In athletics, 
Uh, just one day ago, here's the headline from Reuters. Unpredictable new mixed 400-meter relay set to intrigue. That is outstanding. I love to see stuff like that. We have, you know, mixed curling. We've got the... The mixed doubles curling, uh, we had Caitlin Laws and uh, Morris, I always, John Morris won the gold medal, of course, in the last Olympic Games. And so uh, these sports that uh, are are combining uh, men and women competing with each other on the same team and against each other, I think we're going to see more of that. And I, I would love to see more of that. So, yeah, we're, we're, I've, we've got a little bit of Olympic fever this morning. The Canadian women defeating Brazil have us very excited. But as Greg mentioned, the women were in a boat. And we're going to be talking a lot about boating today at 7.07. We're going to be talking about boat safety and specifically the headline here uh, from Life Saving Society, Boat Sober this long weekend. Well, as we told you yesterday, today is the most dangerous day heading into a long weekend, the Friday before a long weekend, 36%, in fact, of all fatalities and other injuries and, and uh, collisions happen on the Friday of a long weekend. So be safe out there. But remember also at the same time, many Manitobans are trading the steering wheel of their car or truck for the steering wheel of their boat. And so uh, boating is a wonderful exercise. It's a tremendous way to spend time, but it's also very dangerous if you don't do it the right way. We'll tell you how dangerous it is and the things that that maybe you ought to be keeping in mind. Hopefully you're doing it, and if you're not, this will give you a nudge in the right direction, not to be preachy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, a lot of times it's just about awareness or maybe pointing out things you didn't know, and well, especially if you're not an experienced boater. So that's coming up at 7.07. But we do want to have some fun with the topic of boats as well. So at 6.45, we're going to gather the troops and have a chat about the most fun we've ever had on a boat. And you can join that conversation on text at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia. And it was one of those things, Greg, where when I really... Because I don't have a boat and I don't ride boats often, but when I started thinking about all the times I've been... In boats, it's quite a a few examples pop to mind. So I'm looking forward to this conversation because I I like boats. Well, you know, the river cruises back in the day were a big part of the culture of Winnipeg. We've had those discussions and lamenting the fact that the River Rouge and the paddle wheel, the paddle wheel princess... Uh, there was the MS Winnipeg, I remember, the Lord Selkirk. Like, I think there were four or five That's right. ships plying the waters of Winnipeg at one point or another. And now, of course, you've got the water taxis. And, and it's such a unique way to see our city. You have a whole different perspective, so green. And, and yeah, we kind of talk about the Red River as being, uh, you know, mucky and yucky and that mud bottom. And it doesn't exactly paint the most beautiful picture, but... The city is extraordinary from that view. So uh, it, whether it's in the city, on the river, or maybe up on uh, some of our 100,000-plus lakes, uh, boats are a very popular way for, for people to spend their time. Uh, you, 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 know, uh, you know the happiest day of a boat owner's <laughs> life, right, Brett? There's two of them. Yeah. The day you buy the boat and the day you sell it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is a... When I had to see what goes into getting a boat in the water, I I commend anybody who has the patience <laughs> to and the you know the willingness to put in the effort. Mm. It is uh, <laughs> it's a taxing chore. Yeah, but 
We're going to have more fun with that conversation at 645. For now, we got to take a look at your forecast, your long weekend forecast. Woo-hoo! The long weekend is here, baby. Weather next on The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on holidays. Greg, what did you say about boats and the happiest day of a boater's life? Yeah, there's two of them. The day you buy it, the day you sell it. <laughs> well, we, we got four texts back to back to back to back. Scott says, boat, definition, a hole in the water you fill with money. Ernie says, the acronym for boat, bust out another thousand. Yes. The biggest waste of money I have ever spent. Don Boat, noun, a hole in the water into which one pours money. And then Gary Jenkins, <laughs> bust out another thousand. <laughs> yeah, these uh, these are common sayings in the in the boater's world. And and even those that love to boat will acknowledge that it's it's not exactly an inexpensive way to spend time. It's not an inexpensive hobby. And as you pointed out while we were off the air, there are some people in uh, Manitoba, northwestern Ontario, cottage owners that, uh, hey, look, a boat is mandatory. Yeah. And uh, so we're not poking fun at, at anybody. We're just having fun with you because we know that that these sayings are uh, common in the boating community. Yeah, I'm envious of, uh, if, if you've got a boat, I am envious of you because I love being out on the water. So in our next segment, we're going to talk more about the the most fun you've ever had on a boat. Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. And then at 707, we're going to talk boat safety, specifically with the headline Boat Sober this long weekend. And on the subject of water, Greg, right now we got to ask the question, could the Red River run dry? That's a concern put forth by the organization which helps ensure there is drinking water in parts of southern Manitoba. As you've been hearing in Global News with Jeff Braun this morning, Winnipeg is in a very stable situation when it comes to water. Yes, however, for some communities to the south of the city, the situation is dire. The Pembina Valley Water Cooperative and the member municipalities have declared a drought state of emergency due to the low Red River level. We sometimes forget that the Red River is the source of drinking water for several communities along its shores. Greg Archibald is CEO of PVWC. He joined Julian Richard yesterday afternoon on the news. Well, um, on the 28th there, we declared a drought state of emergency um, with the uh, Pembina Valley Water Corp and the 14 municipality members in southern Manitoba. And this is due to the low levels in the Red River. So what does that mean? Can you explain how low it, it, it is and, and what's in place now as a result of this state of emergency? So if you looked at the four-week period starting from about the June 25th through to the July 27th, uh, the flow rate in the river at, measured at Emerson went from 1,532 cubic feet a second to 752 cubic feet a second. So we had a reduction of half of the flow and the river went down 20.5 inches. Uh, so for us, that was very significant. And so we were reacting to that last week. Uh, we brought divers in uh, to measure the levels and what room we had on our in- intakes. And we have two water treatment plants, one at L'Atelier, and we had about two feet And uh, last Thursday. And now the intake is showing today. And at our Morris water treatment plant, we had about 10 inches 
and it's just on the edge of showing. Uh, so for us, that's very significant. And so our follow-up is that we're um, going into a little bit of an emergency uh, process here of thinking about how we're going to keep the level up in the river. Uh, there's still quite a bit of water in the river, but it's going down, and we've got to keep a pool in a spot where our intakes are so we can continue to pull the water out of there. Our normal uh, operation is not working, so we've got some temporary pumps in there, and we're looking at how to uh, build the water up in that area to help out. We're also looking at how could we store some water um, as a backup if this uh, drought uh, continues. So what's being done before Archibald outlines their ideas, Richard Cloutier paints a picture as to just how low the river is in one spot in particular. The Red River at the 201 Bridge. You can almost walk across the Red River. Yes, this is very significant and this is very serious. Significant and serious, but I'm looking at the forecast and this is going to get worse before it gets better. Yes, so what we're doing right now is to shore it up short term to be able to pump it we're looking at temporary storage uh, there is a river that's dried up right next to our plant and we're working through an engineering design possibly we could fill it up we have a pond in front of our plant that's got a month and a half storage this might give us another month and a half storage so what happens then if the river gets too low uh, the real concern uh, we might be able to eat through it if it continues too long um, the level will get so low that there will not when it freezes that there will not be any water that would flow under the ice. It would all freeze. And so that that's the big risk that we are needing to think about. It's mind-blowing. I sent you uh, a, a chunk of the report that they, they sent out uh, yesterday or the day before from the Pembina Valley Water Cooperative. And just this whole idea that the river could run dry, Brett, is something that, you know, go back to 1997 and the numerous floods since and before uh, this is typically a river that we are battling to keep at bay. Never mind trying to find ways to keep water inside. They're in fact talking about making little dams so that they can corral the water that's there. This is the same river that people are using for drinking water. And if the water freezes, there will be no water source for these communities in the winter time. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb's on vacation. Going to play a piece of music here to help set up what we're talking about. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Take a good hard look at the mother. Yeah, that's about all that we can play from that song. Oh, come on. I was just getting into it. <laughs> I was getting worried there for a second because I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> the Lonely Island, a great tune from that comedy troupe. So we're talking boat safety at 7.07. But for now, what's the most fun you've ever had on a boat? Could be just be in someone's boat on a lake. Could be a River Rouge cruise. Could be an actual cruise ship. Maybe a canoe, a kayak, a dragon boat, whatever. Or maybe you went on a boat and hated it. Or if somehow you've never been on a boat, is that something you'd want to do one day? Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. In the meantime, let's go around the horn here. Jeff Fortier, why don't we start with you, pal? 
Oh, well, actually, my parents just bought some kayaks, but I've only been in it once, so that's always fun. But so I would have to say my dad actually had a boat and uh, going tubing. Tubing is the most fun thing. It can also be very painful, but uh, the pain is worth the fun. When yep. you're going over the wakes and you're, you're flying in the air and you lose the tube in it, Shoots out from from under you and you I, smash into that water. I lost my shorts one time tubing. They went flying off me because I hit the <laughs> I hit the water so hard. <laughs> yeah. I had to go find my shorts. That happened to me on a. I think it was. A, do you just call it a kneeboard? Or a, I can't. Kneeboard is wakeboard. Wakeboard. I think that's the one. Yeah. And so we were with my. Uh, we were. I think it's out in Lac du Bonny, and um, they, they they warned me. They said the the boat isn't quite fast enough to just drag you out of the water so you really got to pull yourself up so as i'm trying to pull myself up and i have no upper body strength I, and at the it was a little weakling when i was 11 or 12 however old and uh, as i was trying to pull myself out of the water the water was slowly but surely pulling my shorts off and eventually i had to bail because the bathing suit came all the way off, and uh, everyone was laughing at me. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great memory. Uh, <laughs> so, Poitras, why don't we uh, go to you next? Well, we did uh, my family's genealogy, and we are not seafaring people. Uh, <laughs> we're from, like, the uh, Austrian and Italian Alps around Inksbrook, uh, Corinthia, and stuff like that. So uh, that needs to that needs to predate this story that I'm about to do. So we all went uh, snorkeling. We were, my whole entire mom's side of the family, we all went snorkeling out uh, in Puerto Rico. And so that's yeah, a great idea. Let's go out. And we went out to this, this island with a coral reef. Every single member of my family was seasick like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it took us a whole day to recover. And it wasn't even like it was choppy seas. It was just like a calm day out on the ocean. But every single one of us was seasick. You see my Uncle Richard, he's over in the corner holding onto his head. My Uncle Mark is doing the same way. He's lying on his back. My mom's sick. I'm sick. Every single member of my family. So I always wanted to go deep sea fishing, but uh, I just don't have the sea in my blood. And we, we, all, we all found that out. Everyone else was fine except for my family. And it was a big boat. Not seafaring people. We are not seafaring <laughs> I people. That. I love that. From the landlocked countries. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Jeff Braun. For, uh, for me, every time we go, I've been on a couple of cruises, and the first, you know, three or four days of a cruise are always the best time. By the end of the week, you sort of, like, in the back of your head, it's like, I got to get off this boat already. But uh, the first few days when you get to explore the boat, and I, I just love really, really big boats, and cruise ships always just fascinate me. So the, every time I go on a cruise, the first couple of days, just going up and down the boat, looking at all the different stuff, that always just it blows my mind because, you know, it's, I get that, you know, there are boats that exist and they're fine, but uh, every now and then it's just like, back of your head, you're just thinking, why doesn't this just sink to the bottom of the ocean? It's, it, this shouldn't work, should it? No, but it does somehow. Yeah, I, lo- I went on a cruise ship once. The Norwegian Pearl, I loved it. I would love to do it again. I don't know that I've ever been more relaxed than when I was out on the deck just looking out into the great expanse, broken away from your terrestrial restraints, from your terrestrial uh, you know, commitments. That's the good thing. To, to seafare out of your terrestrial restraints. They charge so much for Wi-Fi on the cruise ship that you, you know, you'd be insane to buy it because oh. it's just so cool. Because it's like 50 bucks a day or something, like just insane like that. So it's like, yeah, you know what? I don't need a phone this week. No problem. Good yeah. for you. Is it the Lido deck they used to talk about on the Love Boat? Meet you on the Lido deck for a... <laughs> 
for a beverage, for a refreshment. And for Isaac, a cocktail from Isaac, yeah. yeah that's right. Isaac <laughs> would pour it for you. And uh, yeah, the, the love boat. That probably did more for the cruise industry, that TV show, than probably. you could imagine. Mackling, what's your story? Uh, I loved, I love going on the boat. I love being on the water, but the most incredible on-water, in-boat experience. A landlocked country, by the way, Cameron Poitras. Uh, Slovenia, uh, lucky enough to go to Lake Bled in my adventure to Croatia a couple oh, of right. years ago. And Lake Bled is just incredible. You've got that incredible church in the middle of it and you take what's called a pletna boat it's like a what you would see in venice almost like a gondola so it's human powered this guy rows up to 18 people across the lake and then you go up the 99 steps to the church and then you can go they'll actually let you ring the bell it was the best most incredible boating experience of my lifetime and there's a headline right now in of all places the arkansas democrat gazette and the headline says, Slovenia, often disregarded, worthy of adventure. And this, it does indeed. What a what a view, that church right in the middle of a lake. Just Google it, and uh, you'll see what Greg is talking about. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. What's the most fun you ever had on a boat? Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation, couch potatoes assemble in our next segment. And a reminder that wars on floors, total flooring. Today at 8.45, just after 8.45, we are going to announce this week's winner of the $750 gift card. uh, Because you've been sending your picks to 204-780-6868. Picks of floors that need repair. So congratulations, by the way, to Dale Black, yesterday's qualifier. And if we, if you send us a picture and you don't get picked, doesn't mean you can't keep sending it the next day because we're going to keep doing this until August 13th, so two more weeks. But today we're going to give out the next $750 gift card, and we'll do that just after 8.45. Today, the Friday leading into the long weekend, It's the most dangerous day on Manitoba's highways. That information from Manitoba Public Insurance yesterday. Well, long weekend, where are many of us heading? To cottage country or camping. And for some, Greg, that means trading one motorized vehicle for another. That's right, Brett McGarry. A boat, as we've been discussing this morning. And we sometimes forget or perhaps ignore the fact that the rules around consumption of alcohol and operating a boat are the same. Boating while intoxicated is a factor in over one-third of all boating fatalities and drowning deaths every year in our province. The latest five-year average for both Manitoba and Canada is 35% of boating drowning deaths involve alcohol use. Life-Saving Society Manitoba Water Smart Coordinator Dr. Christopher Love joins us now. Good morning, Dr. Love. Good morning. So why do many Manitobans who operate a boat seem to be missing the message on the dangers of operating a boat while under the influence? That is a very good question. Uh, As you said in your intro, 35% of the fatalities and incidents we see involve that alcohol intoxication. People seem to be getting the message about drinking and driving on the road, But for whatever reason, they're not absorbing the same message for uh, being out in the boat. And it is something that we're trying to crack uh, in in terms of getting the message out 
through uh, interviews like this with you, uh, because, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be one common thread on why people just are not listening and not getting that information. Is there enough enforcement? That is certainly a factor that we uh, we recommend. Uh, you know, uh, we work with uh, police agency partners for enforcement, and we know that they have stepped up over the last few years. That's one part of the puzzle. Public education is definitely another. And, of course, there is always the personal responsibility part. Uh, and so all three of those really need to come together in order to uh, get, uh, get things down in terms of those uh, fatality statistics and make the waters safer for everyone. So, you know, you can go out, have a great round trip, have great memories, and be able to do it uh, again and again. Is, is this potentially a, a cultural thing, you know, being at the lake and uh, you, you're a little bit at ease, you, you let your guard down a little bit, you, you maybe uh, crack a beer when you otherwise wouldn't. I know when I'm at the lake, I, I typically don't drink very often at all, Dr. Love, but I walk into my friend's cottage, I don't even have my shoes off and I have a beer in my hand. That's just That's just the way it is for me and I think a lot of people. That does seem to be a part of it. Uh, we can't definitively say that, but uh, that does certainly seem to be part of it as, as, as part of a culture of recreation, being at the lake, uh, as something that's always been done and therefore it's okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that is part of what we have to curtail. Forgive my ignorance on this one, but I spend very little time in boats. Are passengers allowed to drink on the boat? They are not. As you said in your intro, uh, it's just like uh, if you were in a in a car. So if your passengers are consuming alcohol on the boat, then it's the same as if you had passengers in your car consuming alcohol. And the police will uh, uh, will you know charge infractions accordingly if you are stopped. Uh, and uh, and this is witnessed and uh, and everything like that. Um, so the only time that you can drink on your boat, because uh, this is a common question, it, you have to have a washroom available on the boat, you have to have kitchen facilities, and you have to be anchored or docked. Uh, and so, you know, you have, that means you have to have a toilet, uh, which the vast majority of boats out there on lakes, rivers, and streams do not have. So one last question for you. Does the consumption of alcohol or other substances make emergency situations more dangerous? I think it's probably an obvious answer there. But the second part, Dr. Love, are we less likely to be wearing a life jacket if you're drinking on a boat? Do we know if there's a correlation there? We, well, I can say definitely, yes, it makes the situation more dangerous. Uh, And in terms of does that also reflect into lack of life jacket use? There appears to be some association there, but we actually see an even higher rate of lack of life jacket use than we do intoxication use. So it's uh, it's hard to 100% say that it's the uh, alcohol use because there is a general uh, lack of desire or lack of um, actually picking up the life jackets and wearing them in the first place as well that we see across uh, across categories, including voting. Uh, so... Uh, it's another concerning area that we uh, continue to educate on and get people thinking about doing because it adds another layer of safety for when people are out on the water. And it's not just motorized boats as well. Like uh, I remember I've told this story before, and I think I may have told it to you, Dr. Love, where I was in a a paddle boat 
I was out at a resort in Seven Sisters, and uh, my then-girlfriend and I had been drinking for much of the day. And we thought, ah, let's take the paddle boat out for a rip. And the water, it was a windy day. The water was a mess. And we got maybe 10 feet from where we pushed off and realized we were screwed. We almost couldn't get back. We uh, had to bail out of the boat because it was taking on water. And uh, my girlfriend almost drowned. Uh, and I had to pull this thing out of the out of the water and onto the dock and hurt my back. And uh, that was a decision that was probably would have been, not been made had we not been drinking. That's it. That, that, thank you for sharing. Uh, I think we have talked about this before. And that's a perfect example of the, the types of things that we do uh, see year on year as we do the drowning research uh, when it comes to the boating incidents, where uh, decisions being made under the influence in retrospect become, oh, why in the world did I ever do that? Dr. Christopher Love is Water Smart Coordinator for Life Saving Society, Manitoba. Thank you very much for the time, as always. We very much appreciate your insight. Uh, We always appreciate getting on air with you. Thank you very much for your time. 714 on 680 CJOB with Mackling and McGarry. And yes, we're having fun with the, the topic, what's the most fun you've ever had in a boat? But it's important to remind that it can go bad real fast. So we thank the Life Saving Society for their time and the information and valuable tips that they provide. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is away. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about the most fun you've ever had in a boat. Getting lots of great text messages here, Greg. Any catch your eye? Oh, Liz just sent one in here. Good morning, guys. It was years ago and our family were at our parents' place in Lac de Bonnie, and my sister and I wanted to learn how to water ski. So I went first, and after numerous attempts, that's tough, by the way, uh, if you've never done it before, uh, um, attempts, I would get up and then splat, I would go down. I said, I'm done. Then it was my sister's turn and the same thing, so I suggested she she try sitting on the edge of the dock. Uh Uh-oh. So she got in place, and when she was comfy, I told her to yell, hit it, and she did. And she literally flew up and landed in the water, and I can't repeat what came out of her mouth. Put <laughs> it this way, we were all on the ground laughing so hard my stomach hurt. Liz, you set up your sister for disaster. That is not very kind. Good memory, though. Uh, good memories for me come from those boat cruises. Greg, you mentioned the River Rouge and uh, what was it? The paddle wheel. Yes. And uh, I used to go, I think the, the summer of 1995, we used to go to the boat cruises every Friday night. And uh, the big song of the day at the time was This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. So whenever I hear that song, that's the first thing I think of is being on those boats. And uh, I was only 17 at the time, so I think I had to wear a wristband to identify myself as someone who is not allowed to consume alcohol. But uh, keep your memories coming. 204-780-6868. Chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. What's the most fun you've ever had on a boat? Tether off, we're gonna tether off the mother sucker. Tether off the sucker. Tether off, we're gonna tether off the mother sucker. Tether off the sucker. We needed some funky music for this boat story, G Mac. I was wondering, why in the hell are we playing this? Now I get it. 
from one of our listeners at 780-6868. This is good. Back when river cruises were still departing from the dock by the Louise Bridge, we went on the Funk Cruise. The cruise was supposed to depart at 9 p.m., but the captain was MIA. Maybe he was in the bar attached to the dock. It was near midnight when they finally managed to get a captain on board. It was late spring, and the river was still fairly high. We weren't out for very long when all of a sudden the boat was jarred and we heard this horrible grinding, scraping noise. The boat had run into one of the bridge supports. I do not recall which bridge. Of course, alcohol was flowing quite freely and passengers were well lubricated. Most people were screaming, the boat is sinking! But our table was yelling, the wine! Save the wine! <laughs> that was probably the most fun I ever had on a boat. Priorities, man. Got to save that wine. Great story. Keep them coming at 204-780-6868. How much fun, what's the most fun you've ever had on a boat? Also, uh, we'll give you an update on the uh, the outsider situation in a moment because we're asking you, is it stay gold or stay golden? And who says it? Stay gold, pony boy, or stay golden, pony boy? But we do want to head to Alberta for a second here, Greg. Because a lot of people, not just in Canada, but around the world, are asking, what the heck is Alberta doing? Uh, I'm asking that question as well. Scaled back health measures have parents and teachers concerned about the spread of COVID-19 in schools as well. Coming up in September, here's Global's Adam McVicker. Five weeks from now, class will be back in session. That's causing anxiety for some parents like Jacqueline Day. With these health measures being lifted... Um, entirely, we are now very concerned about September. Her daughter is eight, not yet old enough to get vaccinated against COVID. Day says the other measures in place gave them comfort for the school year. They are sending us back to school in September without the toolbox that we had last year that helped us feel safe, that helped our kids feel safe. The removal of masking and mandatory quarantine for positive COVID-19 cases and close contacts has student advocacy groups support our students questioning the move. We have not been able to bridge that gap of how logically this will pan out. For the general population, vaccines have been the biggest mitigating factor in the pandemic, but kids 12 and under aren't eligible. And while the first dose uptake for school-age kids is more than 60%, according to Alberta Health, that rate drops to half when it comes to second doses, which has the Alberta Teachers Association also expressing concern. We know that COVID will still have a significant presence in schools regardless, and this announcement will just make it worse. Masking in schools will be recommended in outbreak situations, and the province's health minister, Tyler Shandro, says they will monitor schools closely. We know that people continue to have that anxiety, but this is work that is done by public health based on the science and based on the data. In a statement to Global News, Alberta's education ministry says the advice of health officials will be followed and changes will be made based on their recommendations. More school reentry guidance is expected to be released in mid-August. But Day says she's not sure that will ease concerns. And without having the benefit of information about case counts in our community, parents are flying blind. Adam McVicker, Global News. How do you add to that? 
more conversation throughout the day. I was listening to uh, 770 CHQR, our sister station in Calgary, for a little bit yesterday, and, and, and people are dumbfounded by this decision. Of course, not everyone. There are people celebrating and applauding the Alberta government for leaving COVID-19 essentially in the rearview mirror, but uh, lots of concerns as to whether or not this will play a role in uh, making it uh, return and helping it uh, along. So... Um I'm at a loss for words, quite frankly, Brett. And I know that's my job to have something to say, but uh, I'm just processing it all now. It's bizarre. Mixed bag of emotions or reaction. Is it stay golden or stay gold, pony boy? And uh, I'll just play this. Stay gold, pony boy. It was Stay Gold, Pony Boy. Uh-huh. And that came from his friend Johnny, played by Ralph Macchio. So thanks for all who weighed in. I'm, I'm sure that there were, someone else said it. I, I swear to God, I, I thought Patrick Swayze's character said it too, but I could be wrong. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on holidays. I'm sure you know this, Greg, but it's probably worth pointing out. Just in case, you uh, just before A25, it was at A21, you gave a very thoughtful and, and loving happy birthday to the Twin Towers, to your boys on their 15th birthday. They share a birthday with the one, the only Brian Barkley. I didn't know that. Facebook, I, I learned this from Facebook. I should know this. 70 years old for Brian Barkley today. So happy birthday to Brian Barkley, the great traffic reporter for so many years on 680 CJOB. Uh, no one, no one like Brian Barkley. No, and I love when worlds collide like that. That's uh, what a tremendous honor for the Twin Towers, as you dubbed them so many years ago. Oh, they love that nickname, by the way. I think I stole that, though, from Keith McCullough. I think uh, our former Keith, colleague Keith McCullough, your buddy, I'm pretty sure he referred to them as the Twin Towers, and then I... Then just stole it and made it my own. Great. So. Now I'm in trouble with Keith. It's well, and just it just keeps getting better. Well, and uh, it's a, that's a problem too for me because he's a lawyer now, right? So he could come after me. Litigation, little yeah. uh, trademark <laughs> infringement. <laughs> I see that we've got a couple of texts here tied to some of the top stories in our news. Yes, Wayne says this, uh, Winnipeg should be proud of their water usage. However, nobody mentions about the Shoal Lake First Nation having to boil their drinking water for many years. And thank you, Wayne, for that. Yes, of course, Shoal Lake, uh, Shoal Lake rather, 40 under a boil water advisory since February of 1998. Some good news on that front. Their new water treatment plant is scheduled for completion this September. Excellent. And uh, we just wanted to read this as well. Do you, do you want to read this, Greg? Because you, you dropped this in here. It's, sometimes you're just eager. Yes. Yeah, so uh, one of my uh, favorite bosses of all time sent me this text me- message. It, it ties back to the story about what happened at St. Boniface Hospital and, and one of these, uh, somebody who was working there unauthorized for up to eight shifts. And uh, we were trying to find the uh, you know, what's the motivation for something like that? Well, sometimes you're just eager. And so the names have been changed to protect the innocent in this story. I was opening one morning and this guy walked in and went behind the bar and started opening up. I called Gwen over and said, who's that guy? She got him. He came over and said that Linda had told him to come in on Monday. He thought he was hired and just started working. I explained it was probably just for a final interview. He was just wearing a shirt and jeans. I wasn't hiring at the time, so he left. The uh, moral or the uh, good news part of the story, I did end up hiring him down the road, and he ended up working for us for three years. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, look at that initiative. Just gets behind the bar and starts working. So keep your text messages coming, by the way, at 204-780-6868. The most fun you've ever had at a boat. We'll give away the gift card at 915 for Santa Lucia. And a reminder that in our next segment, we are going to crown this week's winner for Wars on Floors, $750 gift card for total flooring. The August long weekend is a big deal for horse racing fans because it is the biggest race weekend of the season at a Cinnaboya Downs. Mongolian win takes the 72nd running of the Manitoba Derby. Impossible not to have a great big giant smile on your face when you hear that call. The 73rd running of the annual Manitoba Derby is set for Monday night. Post time is scheduled for 7.30. Get this, the first was just $60,000 for the 2020 Derby, but they've almost doubled the prize money for this year, which has resulted in a full gate with a maximum 12-horse field. Double D, Darren Dunn, is the CEO of Assiniboy Downs. Darren, good morning to you. Buzz, good morning, gentlemen. Great to be with you. Well, it's typically impossible to not get a sense of excitement from you. How excited are you for things coming up over the long weekend? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, it's it's a big deal for us, without a doubt. It's uh, the pinnacle race of the year. It's our Stanley Cup. It's our Super Bowl. Uh, it's uh, everything for us as far as, um, I guess, really our best foot forward or best hoof forward uh, to the world with uh, Assiniboy Downs as we showcase uh, the best of the best in the three-year-old category uh, for the Manitoba Derby. And so pleased to have Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries uh, as our sponsor for it. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, a gateful 12 horses. It's been 30 years since uh, we had the maximum that we can have for the race. Uh, certainly, we do believe it uh, is attributed to the increase in prize money this year. And, and I think also that we get tremendous word of mouth out there about Manitoba and, uh, and what it's like to come here, to race here, to participate here. People do think it's friendly Manitoba. And, uh, and word travels fast in our community. And, uh, and people want a piece of the action and they want an opportunity to... Uh, to test the waters out on the surface at a Cinnaboy Downs. Refresh my memory, Darren, and forgive me for, for not remembering, but how did, how did it work last year in terms of attendance uh, for the Derby? Well, there was me. <laughs> and that was it? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Sorry for the pause there, but it wasn't far off that. Uh, <laughs> you know, the difference is, uh, obviously, we do have some capacity restrictions, but we do have some fans back. We're so thrilled to be able to say that. And, uh, and it's been really, you know, better than 15 months, as we all know, as we continue through sort of what I'm calling it COVID 2.0 in, uh, in this second season of trying to do it uh, safely and uh, properly, of course, and we wouldn't have it any other way. But uh, we did get some uh, loosening uh, as part of the recent round. And so uh, we do have a couple of areas that are available for fans. Uh, one that does require full immunization, and that is on our main floor, an outdoor tarmac area. Um, so you do have to produce, uh, you know, the proper credentials to be able to access that area. We'll give you a wristband, and then you can move around. Uh, the second floor doesn't require full immunization. Does have access to our VLT lounge, uh, our restaurant, uh, and in uh, lounge areas. Uh, but uh, contact tracing is in place, and uh, you do have to wear a mask as uh, you move around. Uh, not uh, once you're sitting, uh, you know, having a, a bite to eat there. So a couple of areas to view the track and watch the races and. Uh, you know, it's not 10,000 people that we would normally have for the Manitoba Derby. Uh, it was zero last year. Uh, it's, you know, a couple of thousand. Uh, we'll take it, and uh, we'll move forward with a smile. Darren, you managed to salvage, if not really escalate, the amount of online w- wagering in, a, in association with the Cinnaboy Downs. Is, is this good news moving forward? Was, was this the silver lining of COVID-19, so to speak, the, the heightened awareness of what was going on here and uh, your ability to, to capture that uh, on a financial front? 
100% accurate, uh, without a doubt. Uh, certainly some regression this year, and we expected that. Uh, the level of competition last year was uh, dramatically different than this year. Uh, a number of racetracks were not racing uh, against our schedule last year. Uh, many of the major sports were on or off uh, versus uh, going live this year when we were up against uh, you know, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, uh, Euro soccer, et cetera, and all racetracks going full bore. So uh, the numbers have come down, but they're still certainly historically high on an annual basis. Uh, the markets continue to open up for Assiniboia Downs. The interest in our product continues to be very, very high. Uh, just a couple of days ago, we signed a significant deal with uh, a major group out of Australia. So we continue to showcase Manitoba and horse racing at Assiniboia Downs to the world. Uh, it's opened a door uh, and taken things to another level, and we think that that's something that has uh, still got some uh, some run with it uh, over the next couple of years, and we'll uh, aggressively pursue it still. Darren, you mentioned that uh, the increased purse uh, likely led to the increased number of horses in the race, the maximum 12. Is that why you boosted the purse, to, to get more horses, or was there another reason? Yeah, I think a combination, really. More than anything, uh, it's, it sends a message of stability uh, to uh, you know everybody who follows the Cinnaboy Downs, whether they wager uh, you know, locally or abroad, and it sends a message to the horse community, specifically in Western Canada, about the strength of, of our program, uh, the health of our program, and that uh, you know we're on solid ground, and... Uh, you know, last year it was, you know, a lot of things were made, uh, I guess, as whole as they reasonably could be with the revenues that we were dealing with, with so many things not available to us, whether that was VLTs, food and beverage facility rentals. Those have only started to come back online. But, you know, we built that solid base you just talked about by uh, selling our signal to the world, if you will, uh, and it allowed us to put things back to the more historical numbers. And this is the normal number for the Manitoba Derby. Uh, it's not uh, a one-off, one-time, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, you know, ring a bell kind of number. It's something that uh, we wanted to get back to, but had to do it properly and soundly, and uh, and we're very pleased that we could. Well, Darren, can you do us a favor and uh, take a deep breath and give us the the 30, 45-second elevator pitch in your, in your best horse racing announcer voice and invite us all down to Cinnaboy Downs for the Manitoba Derby? Well, I hope everybody will take time. Uh, you know, I know lake life is very valuable in Manitoba for the long weekend, without a doubt, and uh, we respect that, but... Hey, we go Monday night. It's uh, not an afternoon race card, so it's Monday night. So come back from the lake. Join us. Uh, round out your long weekend at Assiniboia Downs, 731st post. Uh, big pools, big wagering opportunities. We do have uh, a carryover wager called the Jackpot Pick 5 for $0.20. Cents. You could win over a $1 million on Monday. It's very, very rare that this happens, uh, but it's something that is on the table. Uh, for those who can come out uh, and want to join, watch the horses be saddled or pick a name, pick a color, whether you wager or not, uh, have a bite, uh, you know, sit on a bench, uh, bang a program on your leg, grab a picnic table uh, or, you know, stay in our climate controlled second level. Lots of opportunity to enjoy horse racing. And uh, usually this is the one that people mark on their calendar as, uh, as the date they want to come out and take it the best of the best. And that's what we're going to offer on, uh, on Monday with the Manitoba Derby. So hope you can join us at 7.30. Darren Dunn is the CEO of Assiniboia Downs. And Darren, uh, I can say this with honesty. Like We work with a lot of passionate, hardworking people who love their jobs. But I don't think I know anybody who loves their job as much as you do. The passion you bring to what you do uh, is tremendous. And uh, we uh, salute you. You, sir. Well, I appreciate that. That's heartening. I, I uh, wear my heart on my sleeve. I'll, I'll stand on a soapbox anywhere in Winnipeg, as people know, and uh, and shout from uh, shout from the hilltops uh, to join us at Assiniboia Downs. Our doors are open. We welcome people, and we enjoy doing that. Darren Dunn, CEO of Assiniboia Downs. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, sir. Thanks, guys. All the best.
And Greg, yeah, I, f- I feel kind of dumb asking what the attendance was last year. I just, I honestly couldn't remember because, like, it, uh, we had like, for example, six cases on July thirty first, twenty twenty, and I just thought. Was, were they allowed to have people? I can't remember. No, that's totally a reasonable question. Uh, you're not. Uh, look, th- things have changed a lot. It's just an example of where we were last summer that you can remember whether we were allowed there or not. So, uh, no, I, nothing wrong with that question. And attendance of one, what an honor. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. If you've never been to Assiniboia Downs, by the way, it's super fun. Just the sound of the horses going around that track is that sound alone is cool because you can feel it, right? It's not just hearing it. You can actually feel it in your chest. It's really something special. They've got awesome food. Mm-hmm. Their food at Assiniboia Downs is tremendous. It's a, it's a great time. So check that out if you're looking for something fun to do. And, of course, if you're a horse racing enthusiast, you've had this date on your calendar for a long time. Mackling and McGarry McNabb's on vacation. It's time to find out who's going to be winning. Who is going to be winning? Who's got some tiger blood? Wars on floors. Total flooring. Now, before we hand out today's prize, Greg, how does this contest work? Well, we started this on July 19th, and it goes through until August 13th. We've been asking you to text us a picture of your floor, and, and, and not just any floor. It has to be mogey. It has to be dingy. It has to be downright lousy <laughs> to see if you end up being the daily qualifier. You have to check out 680 Joby's Instagram or Facebook story and see if your image was featured. Then at the end of the day or end of the, each week, one qualifier wins a $750 gift card from Total Flooring. So we had four qualifiers this week. Chris, Michelle, Ronald, and Dale. Let's find out who is the winner. Hopefully, they're listening. Because I believe they texted right around this time. Hello? Hello there. Hi, I can't believe it's you guys. Uh, uh, is this Chris? You bet. Hi, it's uh, Revenue Canada calling. Uh, yeah, you- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is your refrigerator running, Chris? <laughs> you, you, you know what? I'm standing looking at the patch in the floor and going, I got to call Brian and Anne, um, I think it's Anna Marie at Total Floor because I need that new thing, the whole thing replaced. Well, we just made it a little bit easier for you to justify that purchase and that move, Chris. You are this week's winner. $750 comes <laughs> off the top of that floor reno. Oh, and this is going to be absolutely fabulous. I can't believe it. Thanks, guys. Well, congratulations to you, Chris Jawa. Thank you so much for sending us that picture and for participating. And thanks for your enthusiasm. We love that, especially on a Friday heading into a long weekend. Congratulations. Have a great weekend, guys. And listen, if you have sent in a picture and you weren't chosen for a qualifier, doesn't mean you're out. Send it again. Send it the next day. We had a picture come in at 10.30 last night, along with a great story from Diane. I said, hey, send it to us on Monday. Send it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Plenty of opportunities. This goes until August 13th. Still a lot of time to do some winning. Mackling and McGarry, 
McNabb is on vacation. It's Friday, just after 9.05. Mr. Mackling, what does that mean? <laughs> it means I got to, you know, it's the end of the week. <laughs> this is supposed to happen Monday, not Friday. It's our weekly gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand, the host of Global News Morning. Good morning, Gabby. Thank goodness. I thought there for a moment I'd been blacklisted or something with the <laughs> silence. I was worried. It's like, do I need to bribe Greg? With delicious snacks and alcohol to get back in his good books? What's yes, happening here? Yes and yes. <laughs> okay, good to know. I'll send you a carrier pigeon ASAP. So we always like to review the, the fun stuff that we've talked about this week. We're talking about boats. And by the way, Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift certificate. We're giving it away in our next segment. So this is your last chance to tell us a story about a fun time you had in a boat. So... Do you got a story for us? Pizza on a boat sounds delicious. I've been on a lot of boats. There's a lot of lakes by uh, where I'm from in North Battleford. Um, But my dad used to like to take us on massive canoe trips as kids, which wasn't something we were very into. I'm talking portaging, northern Saskatchewan, really intense. Honestly, it wasn't very pleasant. But we learned a lot about roughing it, sleeping. Obviously, we slept in tents, but I remember like that outhouses were how we used the washroom. Mm-hmm. There were no showers. We bathed in the lake and, you know, hung out with the squirrels or whatever. I don't know. What, I don't even remember what we did. But the joke in our family <laughs> now is one time my dad took my one of my sister's ex-boyfriends on a canoe trip. They were visiting. He goes on a canoe trip with my dad. My sister stays behind. He comes back and then they break up. So we say that that's how my dad gets rid of boyfriends he doesn't like. I mean, with me, I drive them away on my own. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's how he gets rid of the, the men in our lives that he doesn't like. He takes them on a canoe trip and adios. Wow. I mean, he's not murdering them or anything, just to be clear. <laughs> so, you, so the key is to turn down the invite or it's an opportunity to get the inside scoop and maybe find out why you should be running in the opposite direction. I hope that's not what's happening. I, I think it was on her end that things ended. But yeah, turn down the invite for sure if you want a lasting relationship. Hey, Greg, by the way, uh, and Gabby, you probably won't have any clue what I'm talking about when I ask this question, but I, I'm just going to ask it. Uh, Mr. Canoehead, how did he become Mr. Canoehead? Was he struck by lightning while he was portaging? <laughs> That sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> Who is Mr. Canoehead? Oh, this sounds boy. amazing. There's, there was an old sketch on a Canadian sketch comedy show, I believe. Was it Four on the Floor? Four on the Floor. Yeah, and there was this guy, Mr. Canoehead, and he had to walk around with a canoe <laughs> on his head. I think it's because he got struck by lightning while that the canoe was right. on his head, and it melted to his his, his body. So uh, maybe just tell your dad to don't become Mr. Canoehead. Naps. we got to talk about naps. Uh, bet we talked about best naps you ever took, and I know as a morning person... You're pretty, you, you take your nap pretty regularly right after the show, right? Like once you go home? I try to nap in the afternoon as often as I can. I will nap or sleep anywhere. I, I will, I sleep on the carpet sometimes. I have a really fluffy <laughs> carpet on the living room floor. Yeah. And some days I'll just take my little pillow and my blanket and suddenly I'm like, you know what? I'm not moving from here. I've got my snacks beside me. I mean, that can be messy at times, but, you know, keep the chip crumbs out of the carpet and then suddenly you have a little bed. It's like fort for adults. You guys nap, right? You're, you're nappers? Oh, some, well, I sometimes fall asleep on the floor, too, but it's usually while I'm trying to exercise. Like sometimes I try to force myself, like instead of just sitting on the couch, I can feel myself falling asleep. Like, no, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do some exercise. I'm going to wake up. I'm not falling asleep yet. Oh. It's too early. And then I just fall asleep on the floor. Uh, it's ridiculous. Hey, it's as long as you get a nap in or a sleep in, I think that's all that matters. Greg, are you a napper? Well, most of my naps are involuntary in that (laughs) I haven't really planned to be sleeping, 
But then, you know, sitting up on the couch, sometimes those are the best sleeps when you're not intending to fall asleep and then you just drift off and then you wake up and your arm's asleep or you can't move because you've sat or, or, or ended up lying down in an awkward position. But yeah, you know, I have some uh, unusual play. I love the car nap oh, when yeah. I was picking up my boys from school uh, every single day. Uh, the car nap in the parking lot waiting for them was always a good one. But Brett, I know in, in university, sleep was um, hard to come by, shall we say. Where did you used to sleep? You had a pretty swell spot, if I remember correctly. Elizabeth Defoe Library, I believe, was the name of that uh, particular library. At uh, This would have been in 1995, 1996. I learned very quickly that whenever I w- went to the library to try to study, <laughs> I would inevitably just fall asleep. Like, I'd be sitting at this desk reading a calculus textbook or an economics textbook or whatever and I I can't think of more boring things to read and uh, I would just fall asleep and then so it went from me trying to study to to then falling asleep to I'll just you know I'm just going to push this book aside and I'd put my head down on the desk and just try to sleep and then eventually I went up to the third floor and they had these uh, they were basically like a series of ottomans but they just, you could like uh, move them around and line them up so that you could like lie on them. So I went there uh, before, I had a 2.30 p.m. psychology class and I can't remember what time I went there. It was like, I think 11.30. And um, I thought I'll take a nap for an hour or two or whatever and then I'll go to class. I woke up at 6 p.m. I woke up and it was dark. Sounds amazing. That sounds, are they open to the public? I might try to get a nap in there this afternoon. You've introduced us to a hot spot here. I think you need a card. I think uh, I seem to remember needing a card to access those facilities. Uh, I can't remember, though. Well, George Costanza writes the book on the best public uh, washrooms in New York City as part of the Seinfeld reunion on Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's the, one of the plot lines and makes a fortune on that book. Uh, maybe you need to, to create the Napper's Guide to Winnipeg and the best places to grab a snooze. I will buy that book, and then you sell me a boring calculus textbook so I can fake it till I make it at the U of M. I wish I still had some of my university textbooks because if you ever need to fall asleep, I'm telling you, read an <laughs> economics textbook. You'll be out cold in seconds. On the subject of buying things, we talked about uh, buying stuff from infomercials or big or dumb impulse buys you yeah. said that you've got uh, a couple of things there i have a recent one one of my coworkers, kayla my co-host she had this giant water bottle she's doing that water challenge thing and so i bought one but i didn't realize i think hers is two liters i got the one that's almost four liters so it's a water bottle the size of a jug of milk it looks ridiculous today someone one of our coworkers, walked past and he said for a moment he thought it was a a bottle of vodka he's like do you have a bottle of vodka on your desk <laughs> So I'm ashamed to say that's the impression of me at this office, clearly. Just a big Texas Mickey of vodka. What's this water challenge? Uh, just You're supposed to drink more water. So it's it's a water bottle that marks how much water you're drinking in a day. It's supposed to keep you accountable, I guess. But mine, I have to hold it with two hands and lugging it around feels like I'm carrying a small child with me. So <laughs> it's a workout and a water drinking experience. It's the size of a growler, like those beer growlers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I wanted to double check. In non-COVID times, I would have taken a swig just to make sure it wasn't beer or vodka, but I wouldn't dare do that now. So sneaky. Can you imagine? That's not happening. Just to be clear, Brent, our boss, if you're listening, that is not happening. Yeah. How do you keep the water cold, by the way? 
it's lukewarm. It's pretty average. Yeah. This like is you, an average experience. I wonder like what a, a bottle like that would cost if it were a Yeti. I was just going to ask that. <laughs> Probably I, about $900, I'm guessing. <laughs> it would be at least 200 bucks, maybe $300. They're coolers. Like they're, they're, they're the... Little ones where you put in like well, 12 cans. It's like $350. Yeah, but they'll survive the apocalypse though, hey? <laughs> That's true. And they, they keep things as cold as science, science will allow. That's no question. Sometimes I come in the morning, I've got a Yeti on my desk. Yeah. And I'm surprised it hasn't disappeared yet. But uh, the water's still cold sometimes from the morning before. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. I, I actually used to have a Yeti. Now I have one uh, from a company called Corksicle. I think it's a Canadian company. Same thing. Awesome stuff. So anyway, a little sidetrack there, Gabby. Sorry about that. Gabrielle Marchand, have yourself a <laughs> fine long weekend. Happy water drinking, everyone. <laughs> Gabby is the host of Global News Morning Heard Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. You're not in on Monday, are you, Gabby? I'm off, baby. Okay. Enjoy the long weekend. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on holidays. We're asking you this morning to tell us about a time that you had fun in a boat. What's the most fun you ever had in a boat? Because at 7.07, we had an important conversation about boating sober this long weekend. It was a helpful reminder. You're not allowed to drink in a boat, so don't do it. Uh, and But we also wanted to have some fun with this and ask you about the good times that you've had in the boat. And Gary paints always such wonderful pictures. Gary Hook, best memory on a boat had to be when we were living in Cold Lake, Alberta. The lake is huge, 16 by 16 kilometers and 400 feet deep. It can be very nasty when the winds get up, but in the early morning, it is like glass. So heading out of my boat with a thermos of coffee, going around the point, throwing out the anchor, just kicking back, relaxing. Deer would come down by the water. Fish were feeling safe because they knew I couldn't catch anything. <laughs> but an absolute special memory sitting there in the boat, sipping my coffee, reading my book, and enjoying the tranquility. That sounds like paradise to me, Greg. Yes, and I'm waiting for Gary's book to come out, a collection of his stories, because he's a fine storyteller. We're honored that he takes time to share those with us. Um, here's one. My grandpa was born on an island on Lake of the Woods. He grew up on the lake and knows it very well. We went fishing one time to get a great spot. Fish will jump into the boat, you would say. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know this one. After a 45-minute boat ride, we get there and put the lines in the water. Now, Grandpa said, be careful because you can get snagged pretty good in here. Well, as fate would have it, the first and only one to get snagged was Grandpa. Whoa! He started the boat and drove in circles for what seemed like forever to unsnag himself. After much frustration, he cut the line and we headed for home. <laughs> no fish. On the way back... We were going quite fast, and my grandma asked him to slow down. Grandpa exclaimed, we couldn't slow down because we might not have enough gas to get back. You know how you have to yell on the boat when you're going fast? Yep. Well, an argument ensued about preparation and patience. They got home safely, but no fish. And that's a, an excellent story. Lots of great stories. But here's our winner. Crazy story. Me and my girlfriend were at Lee River at my friend's cabin. We took out the paddle boat. We went out about 100 yards, and this crazy guy out fishing comes around the corner at a high speed. He saw us, but it was too late for him to turn, so all we did was put our heads down to our knees. He went right over us. How we made it out of there, I don't know. 
But can you imagine that? A boat jumps over your paddle boat and you live to tell the tale. I think you referenced Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, on the Duke, water. Dukes of Lee River. Yeah! <laughs> Congratulations. You're the winner. $20 gift certificate. Santa Lucia Pizza. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.